Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 235 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show has designed, built, deployed, and operated highly available and scalable software systems in high-tech manufacturing, banking, and e-commerce sectors for nearly 20 years. He has a BS in systems engineering, and he loves working through challenging design problems and building solutions that are safe and enjoyable to use. So it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast... Stephen Kensley. Well, thank you, Phil. I'm excited to be here. So, Stephen, that's obviously very much a brief introduction. So, could you perhaps tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and what you're doing now? Right. So, professionally, I'm helping companies migrate to the AWS cloud. And we do that uh, with a focus on security, which is a top of mind for a lot of people these days, uh, especially if you're thinking about banking and health data and so forth. Security has always been kind of a pet interest of mine, uh, and I'm really developing that now uh, by digging into some uh, cloud security measures and like building a product that helps security professionals understand uh, what's going on. And do you do that through your your company? Yes, yes, I have a, a company that uh, we help migrate to the cloud. Its name is Qualamente, which means a mine for quality, and when work is done, I really like to enjoy a few strong habits that I've developed over the years. Like I enjoy running, writing, and reading, and I do that almost every day. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's a good balance to have, isn't it? A chance to sort of break away from what you do on a day-to-day basis. Yes. So, Stephen, can you tell us what, or maybe a, a career tip that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? One of the things that has helped me the most in my career is that I've really tried to take a proactive approach to managing my own career and getting help on my own. So what that means for me is that for years I have reserved time, uh, either daily, uh, you know, an hour or a block of say four hours on a Monday or a Friday to learn something new or practice a skill. That's been really important for learning new things and progressing technically in in my career. Uh, Another thing is I've learned, uh, especially over the past few years, to ask for help and get help from other people, especially from people outside of what uh, are commonly viewed as technical disciplines. So, you know, working with people from marketing or project management or so forth to really get a broader view of like the problems that we're solving for people. Right. I mean, you, you say you obviously you learned that. Why do you think that wasn't the case to start with? Was there a particular reason? You know, I think that there's a number of reasons for it potentially, but like one of the big ones is that engineers are often in the critical path of project delivery. And so there's a, a lot of organizations will shield them from quote, non-technical matters but it's really you know at the end of the day we are trying to build systems that serve people 
and actually deliver on their goals. And so if you don't have, like if you can't communicate with other people or you can't uh, empathize with them to understand their problem, you're probably not going to actually create a very good solution. That's very true. Do you see that um, as a sort of a characteristic in other people you work with as well? I've certainly seen that on occasion or, or depending on the environment, maybe regularly. But of course, uh, you know, there's, this is not uh, new news. This has been known for a long time that, you know, having cross-functional diverse teams can really help you get to a better or a good solution faster than you know, a situation where we're just like feeding and smashing requirements and pizza down a chute to uh, <laughs> engineers. <laughs> Yes, very true, yeah. Okay, um, Stephen, can you tell us about your worst IT career moments and what you learned from that experience? When I think about this, you know, there are several moments that come to mind, but the one that is, is kind of most burnt into my memory is I was a, a team lead that was responsible for developing a front-end product that was part of a new platform for a company. And, you know, it's a tremendously ambitious project and there were some tight deadlines and we shipped a very low quality product. And it, when it launched to customers, it caused a lot of pain for both customers and the business as we then scrambled to fix the problem before the big peak season came along. And it, it was a thing where we couldn't really roll it back you know, there, there are some ways that we could have uh, mitigated risk much better on launch. And like one of the things that we really should have done better was really pay attention to the early signs we had in terms of defect rates. Yeah. Because uh, they were there. But there were certain incentives for certain people. And, you know, it went live and it turned into a really big problem really quickly. And in terms of how you addressed that, what, what were the steps you took? Obviously, you said you couldn't roll back, so presumably there was a fix-forward approach? Yeah, yeah. So, well, the, one of the, the major things that happened that enabled things to get back on track were there were a, a few organizational leadership changes. And then my team and I, we got down to the long and hard task of actually finding and fixing a tremendous number of bugs. We ended up deploying new releases of this front end to production three to five times a week, which was uh, a big deal at this company, certainly in 2010. No one had ever shipped that frequently. And, you know, we kind of did that. I was leading the team that was performing the fixing. And, you know, we basically uh, had a chart that we updated on the whiteboard with markers. And it was all about, uh, there was unit tests were plotted, the number of unit tests, and then the number of critical defects. And as one went up, the other went down. And we just focused on quality and, and improving that customer experience for about four months. And we were able to actually turn it around into a very high quality product that customers loved. Right. And presumably that experience has changed the way you work on future projects and how you work now. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, so, you know, after that project, I really resolved to never repeat that again. That was certainly the most painful project delivery of, of my career. 
I hope it will stay that way. And, you know, some of what was going on was really, there were broken lines of communication and so forth within the organization. And one of the things I resolved to do was be in a position uh, like financially to be able to say like, look, I'm not going to ship that. And there's a lot of ways to look at this now. I think, I think security is really the current frontier with respect to this, like we're like, engineers shouldn't be shipping products if they know are insecure or no put put data or people at risk or risks that certainly they're not aware of and haven't signed up for in a very clear way. And so, you know, I'm I'm very interested in improving things on that front, but it was very important for me personally to be able to be in a financial position, which I did by building a, a like a three month kind of cushion, cash cushion to be able to say like, no, we're not going to do that. And like, you can fire me. That's fine. Actually. Like go for it. <laughs> <laughs> right. You may need me more than I need you. And that. Yeah. Presumably that hasn't happened. No, it hasn't. Nope. <laughs> um, it's also very freeing. Uh, and, and actually I think you can become much more valuable and give much more, much better advice when you have whatever it is that makes you feel secure, like really taken care of, you know, for me at the time, it was having sufficient cash to be able to say that. And that's not, you know, the most important or, or amongst the most important factors for everyone, but it might be some sort of emotional or relationship safety is most important. It doesn't matter, but like find, find what is important to you so that you can do your best work. Yes. I'm very true. So Stephen, can you tell us maybe or take us to your career highlight uh, and tell us a little bit about that? Well, the next phase of that story really is is the fixing side, which I which I spoke about, and it was really you know watching the defects, uh, those critical defects come down, and like the number of this was a consumer facing product, so we were measuring defect rates or like the percentage of broken projects. Uh, and when we got it down to, you know, 0.007% of projects had an issue, which was the best the company had um, by far, uh, that was such a turnaround story. I was very proud of what we did as a team uh, that I, I actually love telling that story and like teaching those principles to people. Yeah. So obviously metrics are a great thing to be able to measure what you're doing and how improvements are making a, um, a difference to the end product. So is that something you continue to do? Yes. So I teach uh, people, I have some workshops on how to build high quality software and also infrastructure. So Java, I work with a partner on front end JavaScript and then uh, Terraform for infrastructure as code, which is you know, infrastructure code is an interesting technology and is probably about 10 to 15 years behind uh, what most software engineers are used to working with. If you're accustomed to say Python or Java, it can be an interesting uh, exercise to try and figure out like, how are we going to ensure that this module or library does what we say it does and does what we think it does with, you know, tests and, and other quality practices like code review um, or load testing or something of that nature uh, to verify that 
you know, it's going to, the, the component is going to behave as expected. Stephen, can you tell us what excites you about the future of careers in IT? Sure. Yeah. So I, I think the thing that is exciting to me, I, I love learning and the tech industry is is growing and changing rapidly. So like the technologies that I work with, you know, cloud security, infrastructure code and, and continuous delivery practices, like the half-life on the state of the art is like 18 months. So that, that provides a lot of opportunity to uh, change and evolve and do things better and better and better. There's also another interesting thing in that if you find something that you like, you can stick with that technology and like move lateral, laterally to another team or another organization and like help them settle and adopt that, you know, new technology for them. And, and, you know, maybe you're serving a different set of customers. The tech industry is very dynamic. And so you can navigate, uh, you can often navigate to where you want to go. Yeah, that's true. So the, the diversity for you and the ability to do different things is a real, real benefit of being in the IT industry. Yes, that's right. That's right. Are there any particular technologies or directions that we're taking that, that interest you? Sure. So I got very interested in containerization uh, with uh, tools like Docker in particular. I saw what they could do. So I come from an application development background and I've, I've now like traversed the arc uh, you know, through what we now call DevOps and into cloud architecture. And when I first encountered Docker, I was fascinated with how simple it now was to package up an application and go run it on another machine um, and to be very certain about, you know, whether the application had all of its enablers and like how it was going to run on that other machine. Uh, so, you know, I spent the last uh, 20 months or so like helping write the second edition of Docker in Action. So that's probably the thing that I most um, have, have been most deepest involved with uh, recently, but also going like very deep in cloud security and helping like simplify or, or provide answers to simple questions that have very complex or, or hard answers right now. So I'm trying to take, you know, some of the, this like consumer UX development skill and like really like bring it to bear on some of the harder cloud problems. Yeah. And obviously going, just mentioning containerization and, and Docker, what drew you to that in particular? Well, just that I didn't have to worry as a, or I, I could worry much less as an application developer about how my, uh, the application that I built and, and created was going to be deployed. And one of the business problems that we were really trying to fix was we had a very uh, large monolithic application and it was a real hindrance to deploy updates. So instead of, you know, being able to deploy updates to this uh, set of servers and, and ecosystem, say, you know, once a day, or even once a week, you know, we were on a monthly release cycle and it was really challenging to work within, you know, like a 3 million line code base. So we knew that we needed to split functions out, um, you know, bit like as services or 
today we kind of tend to call them microservices or like a service family. And so the, the problem that was, or one of the problems that was preventing that from happening was that we literally needed some place to deploy those new services and getting those stood up took anywhere between six and 12 weeks. I mean, six weeks is bad enough and 12 weeks is bad enough, but not <laughs> knowing whether or not, whether it's going to be six or 12 is just incredibly frustrating. <laughs> yes. And, uh, the whole process itself of, of provisioning new services uh, was, or servers to host new services was undocumented. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I did was actually go and figure, like reverse engineer the process and wrote it down in a scenario diagram or a sequence diagram and showed it to people. And then like showed it like where it might break down and like why it came out to being between six and 12 weeks and and why you know really helped illustrate why it was so frustrating and that was a great way to get uh, buy-in to try other approaches namely containerization because the infrastructure became very regular and easy to provision uh, and to a great degree we didn't need to provision uh, we, we no longer needed a couple the deployment of a new service to the new hardware. We could stand up some container clusters and deploy a number of applications to them. And because containers isolate applications, they were fine to run alongside each other. Okay, Stephen, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. You ready for this? Sure. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? So I've always enjoyed uh, getting computers to do hard work uh, reliably. So certain calculations that were beyond my you know, mental ability uh, when I was a kid, like, oh yeah, I want to like make the computer do it. Um, and this has evolved over the years to like, well, let's, let's make the computers do hard things. And I, I still enjoy making computers do some new and very hard thing. <laughs> what is the best career advice you've ever received? When I was young, my dad told me to do what you love and love what you do. And so I always think about this whenever I get, like, feel like I'm getting frustrated and stagnant in a position, I think about how to change that uh, in its current state or like if I should, if I should move along. And what is the worst career advice you've ever received? I'm not sure I even remember. Um, which- <laughs> I'm not sure what that tells you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you're just a good judge of advice. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I think I think it's more of just like I didn't remember the bad stuff. <laughs> if you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? So I think I would probably do something at the interface or border of biology and technology or computing. And, and one side of that is I'm fascinated by like personalized modeling of like replacement body parts or tissues. Uh, this yep. is, this is an amazing thing. And the last time I looked, which was like two years ago, like, you know, there's no official degree program or something. Um, you know, people are, people are converging into that and, and, you know, they're pioneering that technology uh, right now. And then another thing is just like assistive devices that, uh, help people 
at a very personal uh, level, whether it's for medical monitoring or, or some kind of like feedback that's local to you to like really help you live a better life. Yeah. So it sounds like very much you're, you'd like, if you were to do it again, you'd, you'd very much look for something that had a, a definite benefit to society. Yes. Yes. And the compute power that we have available, you know, walking around like on your phone is immense now. And, you know, it has the opportunity to really help people. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Uh, so I'm building a cloud security product, as I mentioned, that tries to provide simple, understandable answers to really hard questions like who has access to what? Or more concretely, who can delete my production database? Or who has access to the customer health data? Um, like what applications? Like like what are the complete set? Because a lot of people are actually struggling to answer those basic questions uh, right now. And we need to be able to answer those before we go on to more sophisticated ones around risk and um, you know, some of the more ethical things of like, should you have the ability to encrypt your health data with your own encryption key um, that's stored by your insurance company or doctor? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that. Yeah. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? I'd have to say learning to communicate and empathize with people. And I'm not sure I agree with it being considered a non-technical skill, because if you're building the wrong thing, then technically you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, all skills are integrated, aren't they? Yes. So they all support each other. But yeah, I see what you mean. Definitely. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? So one of the most important things for me is to actually relax and disconnect. Because I'm so interested in doing this stuff, I have a tendency to overdo it. You know, I step away from the computer at 5 p.m. each day and, and I have a little mantra that I say, which is, that's good for today. And we touched on this one earlier, but what do you do in your spare time away from technology? I like to run, uh, spend time with family, and really just try to take care of myself. Because that's been, uh, I'm, a, I'm a perfectionist, like on the inside. And that's one of the things that has uh, caused the most trouble when it gets out of control. So at this point in my career, I'm doing things to specifically relax and disconnect. And, you know, one of the interesting things is that once you do that, you often come back with much better solutions on much and much clearer thinking about problems. Stephen, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience? Uh, yeah, I like to suggest that you learn continuously and respect your, your personal and, and family limits when it comes to your professional life. You'll be fine. <laughs> and finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn. I have a pretty unique name, uh, especially in the technology field. And you can also join my no drama DevOps mailing list if you're interested in DevOps and cloud and security. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. 
Thank you, Phil. I really appreciate uh, being here and having the opportunity to share what's going on with me and with your listeners. Hi, Phil here again. Just a final few words from me. Firstly, I'd like to thank my guests for sharing their career tips, experiences and insights with us on the show today. As you probably know, there have been more than 200 guests on the show so far, and I'm continuing to try to attract new guests that can provide great insights to all of us. However, to enable me to do this, I need to ensure that the podcast continues to grow and reach an extended audience. And you can help me in doing this by subscribing to the show and providing a rating and review in whichever platform you listen to. Thanks again for your support. And until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.